And this evening we are going to be dealing with verse 17. And uh, this is basically uh, part number 12, if you will, on this series. We're dealing with the whole armor of God. And uh, this is verse 17 tonight. It says, Ephesians 6, 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, if you remember, verse 16 tells us precisely why we also so much need the, the whole armor. Talking about how thou should be able to quench the fiery darts of the devil with our shield of faith. Amen? Remember that. So here again is another point. Uh, one of the armors that you also need to put on. All still against the fiery darts of the enemy. And this one is the helmet of salvation. And uh, it will be easy for us to understand when we look at the word helmet or just simply look at that word in the natural, you know what helmets are meant to do. Helmet, for instance, like a cyclist, is meant to protect the head from injuries in case of an accident. Amen? Okay, for the soldier on the war front, the helmet is meant to prevent the bullets or to protect the head from a bullet from the enemy, as the case may be. Basically, it has to do with a weapon of uh, destruction. So, in the, in the Greek, the word helmet actually is perikephalia, and it simply means a sacrament of the head. The sacrament of the head, when something is circled. Is that okay? So, what circles the head, that is just a simple word, the sacrament of the head. That is a helmet. Red root word is peri, P-E-R-I, which probably means through all over. That is all round. So we're talking about something that goes round your head. Hallelujah. And um, anyway, let's just move on so that you can be able to follow a little bit. So helmet is simply a protective covering of the head against harm from enemy's attack. Is that simple? Amen. Hallelujah. And uh, I would like you, as you progress, maybe I'll mention that much more uh, next week. I'll still, we're still going to be dealing with this a little bit. But permit me to say this. If you look at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ on the cross, you find that um, there was this reed or crown of thorn that was placed on his head on the cross. You remember that? Uh, well, that crown you find there basically is a symbol of your head being protected from wrong impressions of the enemy. It's an excitement of the head and that is also you find that it's like saying his head is covered that you should be protected from wrong informations. Okay? The protection of your head is against thoughts and imaginations that are contrary to your salvation. 
Your health is saved that you should be saved. And by that I mean that your thinking should be right. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay. Now, just turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 5 and chapter, I mean chapter 5 verse number 8. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse number 8. It says, but let us, First Thessalonians 5, verse number 8, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the, bless, the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. Amen. Somebody who is sober is somebody who is kind of normal. Remember, he said, be sober, be vigilant for the devil. Is that okay? All right. So for those of us who are the children of the day, who are sober, let us put on a breastplate of faith and love, and for an amulet, the hope of what? Salvation. In other words, your salvation directly connected to the amulet you put on. Your protection, that is the same, your salvation is to be protected by the helmet you put it on. Hallelujah. So I say Paul liking, I mean Paul liking salvation to heaven because salvation is a protective covering. And uh, if you look at Proverbs 18, you can just write them down. Proverbs 18 verse 10, the Bible says, The name of the Lord is what? A strong tower. The righteous run it into it and they are what? They are saved. You are saved by the name. Amen. So your helmet is what protects you. In other words, the salvation you have can only be guaranteed uh, with regards to the helmet that you are putting on. In other words, there is a need for you to put on the true helmet of salvation. In other words, that you should be protected from things that may turn you away from experiencing the fullness of the salvation that Christ has given unto you. Is that okay, somebody? All right. So I want you to catch that because it's very important as we make this progress. Okay. Um, you could talk with me to Isaiah 58, verse number 15. Isaiah 58, verse number 15. Hallelujah. What is it? 58? 59, I'm sorry. Is that 59, 15, please? I'm sorry. 59, 15. Okay. Are we there? 59, 15. What did he say? Yeah, truth, fall it. Is that, is that okay? Yes. Okay, fine. That's what I want. Not 58. It's 59, 15. Okay. So... It's a year truth falleth, and he that departed from evil maketh himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. And he saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his arm brought salvation unto him. And his righteousness is sustained him. 
For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and an helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on a garment of vengeance for clothing and was clothed with zeal as a cloth. Now I want you to connect this to the cross. There was no man to save. There was no intercessor. Did you get that? He has to reveal himself. And in revealing himself, he put on a helmet. And that's why I was saying the helmet that he put on is symbolic of the reed that was upon his head. To protect and to guide your salvation. Are you, are you following what I'm talking about here? Very important you understand this. Because this passage you just read has to do with your salvation. It has to do with Jesus going to the cross. And he said in going to the cross, he brought forth judgment. He brought forth all of that because there was no judgment. When he said judgment, it means justice. We need to understand that. It means justice. And when he talk about a cloak of zeal, the zeal to actually execute vengeance, which is actually a prerogative of God, that is not part of what you are supposed to do as a child of God. Vengeance belongs to God. Is that okay? Okay. So when you talk about cloak of zeal, of vengeance, or a garment of vengeance for clothing, I was clad with zeal as a cloak. That is a prerogative of God. It doesn't belong to you in any way. You are not permitted to execute that. So here we find that he's actually talking about the salvation is dealing with the cross. The helmet he put on there, like I keep on repeating, is the reed that was upon his head. All those things that pierce his side is like the thing that pierces his mind on your behalf that you will not be able to imbibe or allow wrong things to come into your mind to kind of destroy your salvation. Okay, as we progress, you understand it a little bit better. Okay, praise the Lord. If you look at Psalm 3 verse 8, it says, Salvation belongeth unto the Lord, that blessing upon thy people. And he said, they have as their helmet the hope of salvation, like we read before, First Thessalonians 5 verse 8. You don't need to bother yourself about that anymore. So the helmet of salvation comes from God alone, as we hope for it. In other words, we receive the protective covering of salvation from the Lord. Is that okay? And I'm going to look at a few things now. Uh, ask a few questions and then a problem to answer them. So basically, if you look at this, what we are protecting, like I said in the beginning, helmet meant to protect your head. Is that okay? What we are protecting is what? Our salvation. That is what the helmet is actually protecting. Okay, let's just move on. I want to ask a simple question. Do we think the way God thinks? Do we think the way God thinks? Amen? Okay, does the natural man think the way God thinks? Okay, fine. Maybe that's a little bit better. Okay. In Isaiah 55, verse number 8, the Bible says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your, neither your ways my ways, say the Lord. Okay? Verse 9 says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So we find that our thoughts or imaginations are contrary to that of God. 
But the good thing is God thinks. Amen? Now, if God thinks and we are made in his image, it also means we ought to be thinking people. Is that okay? All right. And of course, you find that sometimes what you think, which is directly connected to your imagination, is what you can create. Now, when God said, I know the thought that I think towards you, it means there is something you want to do towards the people that is having this thought about. Is that okay? All right. Okay. So, how does the natural man think, for instance? Uh, Genesis chapter 6. Let's even begin from there. Genesis 6, and there's one verse, which is verse 5. How does the natural man think? It says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Amen? Now I want you to see those two words going together. Imagination of the thoughts of his heart was always evil continually. Now the Hebrew word for imagination here actually signifies not only the imagination but also the purposes and the desires. Now like I use the word I know the thought that I think towards you. In that context, God has a desire, has a plan, has a purpose for the people he's saying this about. Are you getting what I'm talking about? So your thought is really connected to what? Your desire. You see? Your thought is connected to your desire, which has to do with your what? Imaginations. Now God is saying, man's imagination of the thoughts of his heart. Now I also want to see where this is the seat of or where this really is the heart of man amen and progress you begin to see because you see as we're going to see much later the heart the biological heart of man is directly responsible for the survival of man am i right okay now if your thoughts and your imaginations are connected to your heart, it means your survival as a believer is directly connected to what? To your thoughts. And if that is the case, you need to protect how you think or you lose your salvation in that sense. In other words, you can be injured by the thought that you think or the imaginations that you have in your heart. Are we still there? Okay, let's move on just a little bit. Let me look at Mark 7 again. Remember, he said the thought of the imaginations of the heart of man is evil continually. The thought of the imaginations of the heart of man, or the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of man, the natural man, is evil continually. So Mark 7, 21, we read this a few weeks ago or, or so. Um, 21, 22, from, from within, out of the heart of man, Proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and what? Foolishness. Okay. Now, just flip your Bible very quickly to Proverbs 24, verse 9. 
foolishness. Proverbs 24 verse number 9. The Bible says, The thought of foolishness is what? Is sin. Amen. And the scorner is an abomination to men. But what I want you to remember, part of what comes out of the heart of man is what? Foolishness. Foolishness is not just an action, it's also a thought preceding an action. When somebody acts foolishly, he has thought about it, or there was a motivation, a desire before the action. Did you get that? But the seed of this action is the heart. Are you there? Okay, I want you to understand. Now, see, God is right. If the thought of foolishness is seen, and all those foolish things and evil things come from the heart of man, we are simply saying when you are saved, you ought no longer have foolish thoughts. And for you to keep your purity in terms of thoughts, you need the helmet of what? Of salvation. That's the summary of what I'm trying to say. Is that alright? Okay. Alright. So what causes our foolish thoughts? I just want to look at a few things. I'm asking questions and answering them as well for you. Amen. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 2 verse 11. What causes foolish thoughts? 1 Corinthians 2 verse 11. He said, for what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him. In other words, the activities of man, the thoughts of man, is known by the spirit of man that is in man. But the spirit of man is sort of being sold into what I will now call bondage, captivity to the natural ways of life, so that whatever is flowing through the natural man's spirit is evil continually. Is that okay? All right. Uh, okay, go to Matthew chapter 6 verse 25. The first one, First Corinthians two eleven. I'm trying to look at what causes foolish thoughts. First Corinthians two eleven. Talking about the spirit that is a man. Then Matthew chapter six verse twenty five. Matthew six verse twenty five. Hallelujah. Therefore I say unto you. Take no thought for your life. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, not yet for your body, what you shall put on. It's not the life more than the meat and the body than raiment. Amen? Okay, I would like you to join that to Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6. Philippians 4. Alright? Let's see. Should be right. Philippians 4, verse number 6. What did he say? Be careful for nothing. Am I right? Hmm? Okay. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto who? Unto God. Okay. So, what leads us to foolish thinking? Apart from your natural spirit that have the tendency of dragging you to think that way, the major thing that makes you to go into foolish thinking is anxiety about life. Hallelujah. 
Are we together? Life anxiety. Be careful for nothing. Another translation says, be anxious for nothing. When you become anxious, you can't avoid foolish thinking. Hallelujah. So apart from the natural tendency of the wickedness of the spirit of man, foolish thoughts in the heart of men are caused by what? Anxiety. It makes us to lose mind of the promises of God for our lives. For instance, Abraham was anxious for a male child. So he got an Ishmael. It was anxiety. Are you see that? It was simply a factor of anxiety. What do you think led Jeroboam into making idols in Samaria? Anxiety. God gave him the ten tribes. But he was feeling otherwise and thinking that that was not just enough. And people may leave him and go to Jerusalem to meet uh, Rehoboam. To worship. So he now begins to set up idols and consecrate priests to begin to worship in those areas. Are you getting this? Such that he is only trying to prevent them from going to where? To Jerusalem. Anxiety. Now it was God that gave him the trade tribe. Why are you anxious of keeping it? Is God too weak now to protect what he has given to you? So foolish thoughts result from the natural tendency of the spirit that is a man, which is a natural man, but above all, the factor of what? Anxiety about life. How anxious are you about your life? Hallelujah. So when he said, be careful for nothing, he's giving a simple instruction. Get out of anxiety. Now, you know, if you take time to study anxiety, I know, medically as well, you get into a lot of problems through anxiety. Am I right? Yeah. High blood pressure, heart failure, Maybe kidney failure too. <laughs> because they are all the organs of life. So all your organs get weakened when you begin to live perpetually under anxiety. And God said, life is more than that. Those things you are anxious about. That's why I say in everything, by thanksgiving and supplication, let your God be made known unto, unto God. And he said, cast all your cares upon him, for he does what? He cared for you. You see, it's easy for us to read these things. It's easy for us to hear these things. But how true is it that we can truly practice such things that the Lord is speaking to us about? Hallelujah. Some of us get so older than our age all, all through because of anxiety as well. And, and that is very true. Because since we are so anxious over so many things, we don't even have time to smile. Hmm? We are always very anxious, always striving. Always, no, we don't have time to smile. And you see something? When you smile, I told you here some time ago, all the muscles in this place pushes back. 
And so wrinkles get out of your face when you're a good person who smiles such a lot. As you are smiling, these muscles are pushing back. That is the way you retreat the muscles of your face and you look younger every day. Are you sitting there with me? But when your face is always heavy, the muscles are always pushing down. Huh? And you get older than your age. Anxiety. So God is saying, don't be anxious for anything. It's a major factor that the helmet of salvation you're putting on is supposed to prevent you from. Are you still there with me? Praise the living God. Okay. You see, if, listen to this. Sometimes you may not see this clearly what I'm trying to say. But do you know that sometimes you can pray a prayer and still be thinking about the prayer you prayed without truly believing because you're anxious. Either you're anxious for it to be fulfilled or you're still anxious that even that which you prayed for is here to come to be. Are you there? But you know who keeps saying if you pray, believe that you receive and then you get. But anxiety sometimes makes you not to even get because you keep on thinking. Hallelujah. Okay, let's take another question. Why did God want us to keep or guide our hearts? Why did God want us to keep or guide our hearts? Why is he intending us to put on this helmet of salvation? Why? Hallelujah. Look at Proverbs 4.23. Why is God intending us or why did God want us to keep or guide our hearts? Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.23. Hallelujah. Are we there? Keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are what? The issues of life. Okay. I would like to read this from the message translation. It said keep vigilant watch over your heart. That is where life starts from. Keep vigilant watch over your heart. That is where life starts from. Or where life starts. Life starts from the heart. Hallelujah. Are we there? Okay. Let me read it again from the living Bible. Above all else, guard your affections. For they influence everything else in your life. And I like this. Guide your what? Your affections. And let me also say it's like saying guide your sentiments. Amen? For they influence everything else in your life. Okay. Let's see. Guide your heart. Guide your heart. Hallelujah. Look at uh, Matthew 19. Let's look at verse 19. We read this before from Mark. But let's take it from Matthew. Matthew 19 verse 19. For out of the heart proceed evil thought, murder, adultery, fornication, thought, false witnesses, blasphemies. From where? From the heart. Hallelujah. So if the heart is the beginning of life, if life starts from the heart, which has to do with your thoughts. 
It simply means there is the need for us to protect our hearts. Are we there? Mighty what? Okay. You can just leave it out. Take the same Mark chapter 7, 21. It's the same thing I'm trying to say. I was trying to pick it from. Uh, okay, I'll check it out for you. But get down to, just take it from Mark, Mark 7, 21. The same thing. What I'm trying to point out is, I'm trying to correlate it with that Proverbs, which says, that's Proverbs 4, 23. Huh? Which says, Pardon? Okay, sorry. Okay, 15.19. I'm sorry. Okay, you get that. So, get to 15.19 there. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Are you there now? You can just read that. I've read that before. I got the passage. I would never got the verse. Okay. So, mighty 15.19. For out of the heart proceeded with thought, murders, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, and then blasphemies. Is that okay? So, but the key thing I wanted to see is this. Guided means watch for these things when they begin to pop up in your heart. Did you understand what I'm trying to say? In other words, when you sense this kind of thought coming, you need to watch out for it. Am I thinking the wrong thoughts? What kind of thought is trying to pop up in my life? Because you see, as a thought comes, like the scripture says, it's going to influence every other thing else in your life. Is that okay? So we find out why is God saying we should guide our thought? Because the thought of the heart contains life and so it also contains death. Is that alright? Life contains, I mean the heart contains life. It also contains death. In other words, the direction of flow of your heart determines what you experience. Because he says, out of the heart are the issues of life, or everything that flows from the heart, or life starts from the heart. It also means death starts from the heart. Does it make sense? If life starts from the heart, death also starts from the heart. Now, what you should just watch out for is this. Every thought that proceeds from you, either is going to produce life in your life or is going to produce death. Hallelujah. So just as life is within, death is also within. Life is within, death is within. And you are free to eat the fruit thereof. That's what the Bible says. Life and death and the power of the tongue. Where does the tongue connect? The th see, okay, maybe trying to beat the gun. Perhaps I said it here, I don't know. But let me just look at this. So you see, just like the heart, the seed of life pumping blood through the arteries, the arteries in your, your system, eh? the blood pumps from the heart, pumps through the arteries to the rest of the body, even so, the seed of the spiritual life within God's intent and glory is found in the heart. Therefore, our thought patterns can either save or kill us. Either as we have it contaminated by wrong impressions and it begins to flow into our system, arousing unnecessary passion that can lead to destruction, or the good thoughts of life 
that can lead to a life eternal, if I may use the word. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Your, your heart, which is your thought pattern, is like a generating house that sends light or when it's not functioning in the right direction, it sends negative impressions. Let me put it that way. But the, the seat of your life is where? In your heart, which has to do with where? In your thoughts. I want to be emphatic in this point because the truth is there can never be any damage between two persons except they begin to think contrary thought towards one another. Attraction is the same thing. You can't lose a friend today except you receive an impression in your heart about that individual is that what he said that begins to trouble you and then you break relationship. You go connect by the simple words that people speak. That is why the Bible says, may your word be seasoned with salt and not just that, may also be seasoned with grace. So we have gracious words, we have salty words. We also have injurious words. But you see, whether they be salty or gracious or injurious, they are all not just flowing from your lips, they are from where? Your heart. It is what you first think about in your heart that your mouth speaks. That is why life and death are in the power of the tongue. But the seat of your tongue is your heart. Just like your life can never be without your biological heart pumping blood to the system. So your heart sends all kind of information, wrong informations or good informations, as the case may be. And whichever one you receive and work with that arose your passion depends now on the life that you are going to live. The flow of this thought is what empowers you to manifest whatever life that you are manifesting. Is that okay? That is why you need to guide your heart. Okay. Like I tried to say here, can you imagine a single blood contamination and what it can do to the whole body? Sometimes somebody is sick and they take the person to the hospital and he said he had uh, poison in his system. How did the poison get through the entire system? Through the pumping of the heart. Am I correct, somebody? It could be food you're taking. The food goes into your heart system. The food is poison. The blood, I mean the heart begins to help to pump this contaminated blood or food into what? Into all your system. And then you are weak, and then you are sick, and then you are dying. Even so, a single thought from your heart can be pumped into the entire system of your being. And the next result you find out, you are collapsing. Therefore, even your faith, you can have a wrong message, a wrong thought, a wrong information that can contaminate everything you have ever believed that could supposed to give you life. And you end up dying. Are you still there with me? Okay. So, watch therefore with all diligence that this fountain be not sealed up or those streams of life be not cut off. Hallelujah. Look at Luke chapter 6 verse 45. Luke chapter 6 verse 45. It said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For all the abundance of the heart, this mouth does what? 
speak. Simple. The abundance of the heart. So, sometimes when you speak, we can easily know what is in your heart. Amen? Hallelujah. And this to me is very important because we find that the confessions we make is a product of our hearts. The confessions we make is a product of our hearts. And don't you, don't, you, don't you forget this fact that it is also with the heart that we believe unto what? Unto salvation. Can you get that? It's with the heart we believe unto salvation. So if you have to maintain your salvation, then your belief will be accurate. If your belief will be accurate, your thoughts will be accurate, pure, righteous before God. That is the only thing that prevents the pollution of your heart, which eventually affects your belief system. Amen? Hallelujah. Furthermore, I find that, like I said, the confession we make is a product of our heart. So, we determine what proceeds from our mouth, which could be life or death, by what proceeds from our heart. You can go beyond your confession. You can't go beyond your confessions in life, which, like I said, is a product of your belief. You can't go beyond your confessions in life. Sometimes when people talk about positive confession, we might look at it to be a religious thing. It could be. Only when it is not seated in the heart of man. But if you believe it's sin and it's seated in your heart, the more you confess it, the more it becomes a reality. Because that's your life. To them that believe all things are possible. Are you sitting there with me? So if you believe a thing, there is a need for you also to verbalize what you believe. Because the more you confess it, the more it becomes life to you. Because what your heart produces is what your mouth is supposed to speak. Are you still there with me? Hallelujah. It is said that the heart is a depository of all wisdom and the source of whatever affects life and character. Therefore, we need to watch it. Even your character is a product of your heart. Amen? Your character is a product of your heart. Just, I just wanted to imagine that. Because you see, if you go back to Genesis 6-5, you see what I'm saying. The imagination or the thoughts of the heart of man are evil continually. So if you say somebody is an evil man, you are trying to describe the character of that person. Am I correct, somebody? So where did it come from? From the heart. So your character... Is a product of your heart. Hallelujah. Okay. Let's see if we can take another question. But just this. Um, turn to Proverbs 4 verse 24. Proverbs 4 verse 24. I just want to read this from this message translation. It says, don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Avoid callous banter, white lies, and gossips. What do you find in your King James? Amen. 
my own translation I'm using tonight here it says don't talk out of both sides of your mouth I don't know what that means you talk with this side, talk with that side in other words don't talk too much is that okay? don't talk with both sides of your mouth avoid careless banter white lies and gossips avoid them because it destroy your life. The more you confess a thing, the more you practice a thing, as it were, with your mouth, the more real it becomes. Is that okay? Hallelujah. When the Bible says avoid all this, it's simply so that it can guard your salvation. The life you have received from who? From the Lord. You already have eternal life. Your responsibility to protect this eternal life that you have is to check your heart all the time. You need to do some checklists all the time. You need to get some checklists written out all the time about your heart. If you have to maintain this eternal life that God has given to you, which has to do with your salvation. Amen. So, how does God want us to think? Philippians 4. How does God want us to think? Let's read three scriptures. I just say something here. Philippians 4, verse 8. He also writes 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 22. And then you write Colossians 3, verse 2. Three scriptures I've just uh, quoted now. Philippians 4 verse 8, 1 Thessalonians 5 22, and Colossians 3 2. Amen? Philippians 4 8, it says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Now the good thing is this, listen closely. You may have all the commandments. You may know several commandments from the Lord. I just want to say this is one of them. This verse is a commandment that you should think. If you are not thinking, you are a disobedient person. He said the commandment of the Lord are not grievous. This is one of them. If there be anything of praise and virtue, think on this thing. He told you what to think about. Why does he want you to think about Okay, I'll come back to that. In that first Thessalonians 5 verse 20, you say, abstain from all appearance of evil. Part of the way you have to abstain from the appearance of evil is thinking good thoughts. Because the imagination and the thoughts of men or the heart of men is evil continually. Is that okay? So how do you avoid evil? Through your thoughts. Hallelujah. 
Now Colossians 3 verse 2, it says, Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. What does that mean? May your thought be that of the Spirit. May your thought attain to that which we be. How do I put it now? Remember, you may be in the physical realm, but you are a spirit being inhabiting the physical body. So think in relation to environment. What is the environment? Spiritual dimension. Your environment is not the physical realm. In fact, God is our environment. Because the Bible says, in him we live and move and have our being. So may your thought be in relation to your what? Environment. In so do you maintain your state of eternal salvation that God has given unto you. Anything less than that, you are coming down to Genesis 6 verse 5 again. So he says, set your affection. When he says set, position them, put it right. Let it be before you all the time. Think in relation to your new environment, which is God himself. Because God is our environment. And God is spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. So you see, God wants us to have pure thoughts centered on spirituality that could cause us to live the life of praise unto him in this world. Hallelujah. So that anytime, even if anything happens, and you start thinking, maybe you need to think about Philippians 4, 8. There's an action maybe you want to take. Ask yourself, where does this action fit into in this thing now? Based on my thought. Is this true? Is this honest? Is this just? Is this pure in relation to God's thoughts? Is this lovely? Is this thing of good reports? If people should hear it or even before God. If your answer does not agree with all of this, you have no room to continue in that line of thought or action. Hallelujah. You're thinking towards your fellow being, thinking towards your husband, thinking towards your wife, thinking towards your children. Is this just? Is of any good report? Is it any virtue in this thing? I mean, is there anything of virtue in this thing that I'm thinking about? Because the more I think about it, the more I'm probably going to speak about it. The more I speak about it, the more I'm going to act it out because it's going to become part of my life. Does it agree with the spirituality, the life I'm supposed to live in now? Does it fit into my new environment as that which is born again? Pure thoughts. Just thoughts. Thoughts that are good. Thoughts that are of virtue. If there be any praise. Is there any praise? Hallelujah. Is there any glory in that thinking that you are thinking about? Because it will result in action. Is there any praise? Will people be so glad you took such an action? Will God himself be honored? Because, because, listen, you were meant to become a praise unto God upon the face of the earth. Is there anybody hearing this? If we're supposed to be God's praise on the earth, that means our action of being praise and glory unto who? Unto God. Now, now that I'm thinking this thought and this action I'm about to take, will it be praise and glory to God? As a believer. Paul was writing to the Roman believers and he said, a Jewish people anyway that were in Rome, he said, for your sake the name of the Lord is what? Is blasphemy. It means that we're doing things that were contrary to the glory of God. And what we're going to be teaching on Titan.
to mention that to you because you find when the Bible says, you will say that shall not commit adultery. Do you commit sacrilege? You know that what sacrilege means do you rob the temple of God? And how do you rob the temple? That's Malika. So you see? And sometimes people tell you that that is not found in the New Testament, but it's there in the book of Romans. <laughs> Paul said that to Christians, do you rob God? He said it. As people argue that Old Testament is not Old Testament. You find it. You will say, in other words, you Jewish people that said, okay, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not. You believe that. You are Christians. You say, okay, thou shalt not. Do you rob God? Or do you rob temple? That's what he's trying to say. The word rob there in the temple also means to rob God. Do you commit sacrilege? That's the way it is in the book of Romans. Hallelujah. We'll deal with all of that. But what I'm trying to make you see here is this. May your thoughts be pure. Let it be the one that bring praise to God. Let it not be that through you, your action, your attitude, men are blaspheming God. Amen? And they keep on saying, what kind of church is it going? What kind of Christian is it? I mean, who is this pastor? When all these questions begin to come, just know that your heart, something is wrong with your heart. Because your action is what we were speaking about. That's why people, anytime you say God does not care, I mean, God does not look on the, on the outward appearance, look on the inward appearance, you must understand you are living amongst people. Let's not, let's not be stupid into thinking that you are living amongst people and people have to first accept you before they accept the God that you are worshipping. Amen? Hallelujah. I pray Lord will help every one of us to check our hearts check our thoughts, and check our attitude. May our heart produce the right character that will bring praise and glory to God. Thank you.